You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. ...in life at the time as far as maybe your vocation or a social status that you had... He's basically saying, don't feel like since you got saved, you got to make major changes now just because you're saved. And he explains that. So let's read verse 17 again. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all churches. Now we'll explain that. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called uh, in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Said it again. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. In other words, don't become worried and and dwell on that so much. But um, if thou mayest be made free, use it rather, if that's what you feel like would be the best. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. And he turns it around. Likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. And here's the big deal. He says, like, hey, guys, ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called, and here it is a third time he's saying it, uh, um, therein abide with God. Let me just have prayer, and we'll get into these thoughts here tonight. God, thank you again. It's really good to be back in church tonight. And just to sense your spirit talking to me again through the hymns, through the fellowship that we've had here already, and now through the Word of God, I would just ask you once again, would you bless in, um, in the Word of God? Give me your power and strength, and I thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I don't know, again, what your growing up life was like. Some of you I do, because I've spent a little time with you concerning um, what it was like in your childhood. Um, it was always a blessing to me to be able to, I, I mentioned this the other night in one of my sermons, it was so good to always go home and to be in the Spencer household. I may not have always wanted to go home yet, mom and dad calling me in to come uh, inside from playing and all of those things, but it was good to be in the Spencer home. It was just a blessing to be raised there, and I look back and I have a lot of precious memories. I don't have a lot of ugly things to look back to, and some of you do, and I know that, that life may have been hard growing up. I, I don't know that necessarily, but I can honestly say it's so good to be a part of the family that I call the Spencer household. Uh, I'm, I'm humbled by that as I talk to others that maybe it just wasn't quite in that way, and others did, and I, I praise the Lord for that. It's just good to be in the family. Well, what God is talking about here is uh, he says, now I want to talk to you like a family. I need you to understand that I know what it was like before you got saved, but now you're saved and you're in the family. And that's the way he, I'll explain that. I'll show you how we get to that point here in just a moment. You're in the family. 
those of you that know the Lord and God lives inside of you, um, you're a part of God's family. We call it being in Christ now. And he uses other words here in, the, in this passage to, uh, to deal with that. The fact that we are all in Christ is a huge background to this, uh, to this section of scriptures. Uh, how many of you know 2 Corinthians 5.17? Therefore, if any man... How many of you know that? Can you say it out loud with me? 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So it starts off, therefore, if any man be what? In Christ. That's what we want to deal with here tonight. Now that you are saved, you're in Christ. You're part of the family. Amen? And you may have had a tough background. You're, you're Growing up years may not have been so uh, precious to you like it would be to me or some others in here. But here's what I want to tell you tonight. That's all changed. And it's real good in the family that God has placed you in now. You have a heavenly father second to none. I love Matt Spencer. But I'll be honest, I love my heavenly father like nobody else. And it is so good to be in Christ. Now God's going to deal with us on that level tonight. That I'm in the family. And, uh, and so what does that do to me now that I'm part of the family? All right. Um, believe it or not, this section of verses and thought are about the Christian's identity in Christ. Um, who represents us? Uh, who or what identifies our life today um, now that we're saved? And so if you can kind of bear that in mind that... Um, now that I am in the Lord, it makes a tremendous difference in a lot of ways. But in other ways, uh, it doesn't change one thing. And I'll explain that in, here in just a minute. So Paul uses two examples to illustrate what he's trying to say to, these, to this young church here. Um, the first one, he uses a religious illustration. The second one, he uses a social illustration. Society, things that are common uh, to society in that day. Both of them are what I call hot-button issues uh, when he begins to describe them. So look in verse 17. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. So there in verse 17, Paul lays out the subject matter that he wants to deal with in these eight verses. Since we are saved, we are now, look at the end of verse 24. The last two words of verse 24. We are now with God. That's what he wants you to know. That's what he wants to stress in this passage. We are with God. We are in Christ now that we're saved. And guys, we have a new identity. You hear me talk about this a lot. What makes me who I am today is Jesus Christ not what has happened to me in life, not what others say about me in life, not even what I think about my life. That does not determine who I am. Now who makes me who I am or what I am is Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. That's a great big deal. We have a new identity. Christ becomes our entire life. As Colossians 3.11 tells us, Christ is all and in all. He is your entire life. That's what my life is all wrapped up in, is in, in the Lord. Before salvation, 
our religion or our status out in society or maybe our looks or how popular we were in high school or in, at, at the workplace, those things might have been allowed to identify us before we got saved, uh, to give us our sense of worth. Maybe our job, I just felt like I'm worthy because of my job and the things that I, I've achieved there. Um, and we may have felt like that determined how good my life was by what others thought about me or what was happening with me or what was coming my way. But now, guys, now that we are saved, Jesus Christ determines my worth and my identity. That's very critical, very critical for the Christian life today. Those who don't get that right struggle in their Christian life. I would even say, and and don't know, but if there's someone here tonight who is allowing life and what's happened to you and what comes at you and what others say about you, what's happened to me in my past, those who are allowing that to now determine your sense of worth feel very unworthy in many ways and need to come to the place of understanding My identity is now in Jesus, and my worth is now as much as Jesus is worth, because he is now my life. Um, Nothing else really satisfies unless we get our priorities out of order, and we go running out in the world again trying to find some kind of blessing out in the world, and you'll never find it like Jesus gives. That's when we become discontent. Then we go on this ill-fated journey to find something else in life to satisfy us and nothing else ever will satisfy like Jesus can. And if you're on that journey tonight as a Christian and you know you're saved, but somehow, someway you've jumped off track and you're on this journey, even coming to the house of God and looking for fulfillment in some other way other than through Jesus Christ and his worthiness, you're going to remain miserable as a Christian. Paul is telling these new Corinthian converts that just because they're saved, now that Christ abides inside them, that doesn't necessitate any changes that have to be made in their outward walk. I'll explain that again as I'm going through. So the first illustration Paul uses to demonstrate the truths that I've just began with here tonight is number one, uh, the religious illustration concerning that hot button issue of back in that day, the hot button issue was strong uh, belief in Judaism. Well, what was the mark of Judaism was circumcision. And so (laughs) Paul walks right into the fire. I mean, these are things he could have chosen anything else other than circumcision and slavery to deal with, but he, he walked right into the fire and uses the big things to help them to understand and just give an illustration about what he's trying to get us to understand. So, uh, yeah, there in verse 18, can you look back there with me? Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Notice what he says. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandment of God. All right. So just because, again, just because we're saved, uh, do we need to do or do we need to undo anything concerning this religious act of circumcision? Or you, you could even say living by the, the, the old Jewish law. You could even say that. Do we need to live by that old Jewish law? Does my salvation affect anything about that? 
Well, as far as the, the law feeling like I've got to live up to the law in order to really be saved, uh, you, you gave that up the day you got saved because you could never keep the law. Uh, only Jesus Christ fulfilled that, and now I'm saved, and so I don't need to try to go back and live up to the law. But as you know, the rite of circumcision was huge to the Jews. It was the Jews' mark that they were set apart to God. Under the law, that rite of circumcision said, I set apart. I am part of the Jewish nation. I'm one of God's peculiar people of the Old Testament day. And they were even telling, you know this, that the new Gentile converts, that, hey, guys, unless you get circumcised, you're not really saved. So you better be, uh, uh, you know, perform this ritual or you're not really in you know, you're kind of out there on the, out, uh, the outskirts. So some of the Jews were feeling like, you know, we're superior to the Gentiles because of their uh, circumcision. And conversely, or on the other hand, some of the Gentiles were feeling inferior to the Jews because they didn't have that right, R-I-T-E. So this caused major disruptions in the early church. Those of you that read through the book of Acts, you know what I'm talking about. There was a lot of disruption because these Gentiles are coming into the church and they're not acting like us Jews. That's basically what it was all about. So much so that they had to call for special councils to come together and all the leaders of churches all met together to try to iron out this issue. These Gentiles need to start acting like us. Basically, that's what they were saying. Or they're really not even saved. So, even in our church today, I hope you'll just kind of, I know it's Wednesday night, but please listen. Even in churches today, attitudes similar to this are still taking place. People in churches will still look upon others uh, within a congregation and feel that they are, oh, maybe that group or that person is unfit. Maybe because of the color of their skin or their social standing or some, you know, just something awkward about that person. And without realizing it, a spirit of superiority, you would never say that about yourself. I'm superior than. But guys, it's the attitude that prevails. And it's so easily identified and it stinks. And they can begin to feel I'm superior. And on the other hand, Others are made to feel inferior to others because they weren't maybe oh, born into that Christian home like pastor talks about all the time or so-and-so. Uh, I've heard them talk about the Christian home and I never, I didn't have that and I don't have the talents that so-and-so has and I don't this and I don't that. And they start feeling inferior to others because of whatever. But truthfully, Paul nails this in verse 19. Can you look at it again with me? And he just comes right out and says in verse 19, guys, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing now that you're in Christ. But the keeping of the commandments of God. Praise the Lord. Um, Hold your place here and go back over to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Everybody there? Romans chapter 2. Go down to the last two verses of that chapter. And look what God says here. For he is not a Jew, a real person that stands up to the truth of God. Maybe you could even say even a true Christian there. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. And this is Paul straightening things out. All right. He is not a Jew, which is one outwardly or by the things that you do on the outside. 
Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. That's not what makes you a true Jew in the eyes of God or a true Christian. But look what he says in verse 29. But he is a Jew. He, was, he is one who is right with God. Let me put it that way. Which is one, what's that next word? Inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. That's what God's really going for. In the spirit. Not in the letter or the Old Testament law. Whose praise is not of men, but of God. Well, whose praise, you can go back over to Corinthians now. Whose praise is of men? It's those who try to live up to the law and they can say, yeah, he's, he's doing it right. And then another guy says, yeah, he's doing it right. Well, your praise is of men. And God says, I want your praise to come from me. And I don't praise you for what you've done from the outside. In other words, you're not acceptable to me based upon what you've done on the outside. What makes you acceptable to me is what I've done for you on the inside. And these Christians are getting it all mixed up. Uh, do, do, what do we need to do now? Uh, Gentiles might be saying about this circumcision thing or living up to the law. What am I supposed to do now? I'm a Christian now. Do things need to change for me? And, and, and Paul's trying to say, no, 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 no. It's not what you've done on the outside that has made you acceptable. It's now what I've done for you on the inside. And he's trying to get that settled in their hearts. That would do a lot of us good here tonight to get it settled. That it's not what you've done or not done in your Christian life that makes you acceptable to God but it's what Jesus did for you in your heart that makes you acceptable in the eyes of God tonight so Paul clears this up by teaching them that what you do I've already just said this on the outside doesn't add to or take away from the transformation on the inside we are none the better if we get circumcised nor are we any worse if we don't outward markings don't identify me or determine my worthiness any longer Calvary determines my worthiness well, pastor, I make a lot of mistakes. Well, join the crowd. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's what he paid for. That's what he suffered and died for. Uh, the mistakes I made prior to salvation and everyone I'll commit after salvation. But God settled that through his son, Jesus Christ. And what I do on the outside will not make me more acceptable to God. He just loves me. The father loves me based upon his son, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. What really matters is the keeping of the word of God. That's what he told them. Uh, that is what we are now concerned with, pleasing the heavenly father by being obedient to the word of God, as opposed to obeying this world by the choices in our flesh. It's what God's looking for now today. Now when he tells them to let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called, somebody says, well, that means then I can just kind of go on and live the way I was living before I got saved and that I'm, I'm okay with God. You're acceptable to God, but your blessings will be far less if you're going to choose to still live in the world. Consequences came in the Spencer household. I was blessed in the Spencer household, but if I didn't live by the Spencer guidelines and rules, there was somebody in that house that knew how to get me in line because my dad wanted to be a blessing to me. My dad didn't want things to be out of line in the household. His, his, the, the, the best way my dad could be a dad was when we walked in line. And that's the same thing with a Christian. 
So am I supposed to abide in my same calling now that I'm saved and I don't have to change a thing about me? Of course. Uh, if, if it's wrong with the word of God, get that right. Be a good child. But as far as me having to change something in my life so that I am now more acceptable and more right in the eyes of God than I was before, no. Those things got settled at Calvary. So uh, if there's a, a habit or a practice in our lives that could hinder the gospel, um, without doubt we need to change that. That would affect the way, again, God could bless us. But to abide in the same calling once you're saved means that your standing with God does not require an outward change. That Jesus took care of that for us. Your service to God can be pleasing to him whether you make changes or not. So don't be discontent with your standing. Man, I wish I was like so-and-so. Uh, you know, I'm not like that person. I'm probably not going to be able to be what God would ever really be able to use if I, wasn't like, if I couldn't be like so-and-so. That's not true. God loves you based upon his son, Jesus Christ. Um, so then the second way Paul illustrates those truths is, uh, now he used a, a religious example to illustrate those truths. Now he uses a social example concerning slavery. Go back down into verse 21. Look at that. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. Don't, don't worry because you got saved as a slave. But if thou mayest be made free, well, use it rather. If you want to serve God, and you feel like you can serve him better by not being a slave, fine. But either way, you're acceptable in my eyes. That's what he's saying there in verse 21. Verse 22, for he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. I mean, he saved us from our sin and set us free. Amen. Likewise, also he that is called being free. Uh, you weren't a slave the day you got saved. But guess what? Now you're Christ's servant or you're his slave. So slavery uh, back in the day was another hot button issue in that day. Slavery in the Roman Empire, please listen up. Slavery in the Roman Empire was a, just a fact of life in that day. Most people could not imagine a society without slaves. Some people spoke out against the mistreatment of slaves and there were slave revolts back in that day. And the fate of a slave depended largely on the temperament of his or her master. Masters could punish their slaves brutally uh, for real or even if something just seemed like it was wrong, they could punish them. Sexual abuse of slaves was also common. Slave work included hard labor as well as skilled services like tutoring or bookkeeping and, and estate managing. I even heard of physicians and so forth that were uh, slaves to people. So you can just imagine how slaves might be feeling about the subject of, we, let's use, they use the word servants here, but, but it's really talking about slavery um, and, and the angst that might have been in their hearts now that I'm saved. What about this slavery thing, God? And Paul tells those who may be slaves to be content within their slavery. Uh, in Ephesians, Paul told them to be obedient to their masters as unto Christ. Do you remember that? Um, after all, guess where Paul was when he told those Ephesians to be you know, content within, um, to your masters and to your, uh, those who are over you. Paul was in prison himself when he told them that. Um, they, in other words, they would be just as suited to serve God as slaves as a free man would. 
A free man didn't have one advantage with God that a slave would not have. But Paul did tell them that, it, hey, if you guys, you know, wanted to serve God as a freeman and you wanted to get out of slavery and you want to pursue that, that's fine. That doesn't make you any more or less acceptable to me. And you could pursue that if you so desired, but it would not be advantageous as far as being pleasing to God. So back in, back in the day under Rome, um, if, uh, if a slave wanted to be free, came at a high price. But here's what he would have to do. In his free time, after the work day, which was long and tedious, he'd have very little spare time, but he could run and get a second job. Maybe it's his real first job because the first one's just pure slavery. Uh, um, He could go and work other jobs and try to save up some money. And it would take years and years for this to happen. And what he would do with that little bit of money that he would get, he would go to a temple, not necessarily a Christian temple. It could be a temple of any small g God. And what he would do was he would just deposit money to that priest of that temple over and over and over and over because it was small amounts. And after many years when he had enough and he knew what the price was going to cost for his freedom, he would go to the priest of that temple, typically a false priest, obviously, um, and say, do I have enough now to purchase my freedom? He says, you now have enough. They would summon the, his uh, slave owner to come to the temple. That uh, priest would take the price of uh, purchasing a, a slave and would hand it to that slave owner. The slave owner would then declare to him, probably through some writing or something, that you are now declared free. But what would happen in that day, if that's the way you handled your freedom, then the small g God of that temple now became your new owner. And you are now to be uh, obedient to that, again, that small g God. Give honor and allegiance to that God. Now, just stop and think about this for just a minute. That's the way they did it in that day. But isn't that what Jesus Christ did for us? Didn't he know what it was going to cost to make us who were in bondage and slavery to our sin? Didn't he know what it was going to cost? And didn't he as our high priest, uh, you know, and as our sacrifice, pay the price that it was going to cost to help us to not just be set free, but to be made free in the Lord? And then now that we have had the price paid for our freedom, don't we owe our loyalty and our allegiance now to the God who paid our price? Of course we do. And, and Paul looks down at these people and says to them, guys, here's the deal. You're wondering, now that you're saved and now that you're Christians, do we need to change our station in life or the way um, that, not necessarily the way we live, but in some ways that's what they were asking. Is there something we need to adjust majorly about my life so that I am more acceptable to God now? Do I need to shift my religious Ways so that I'm either circumcised or uncircumcised or uh, I'm, I'm a slave now, but I'm really free in the Lord. So do I need to seek to be a, not a slave? Because, you know, I'm just not sure that I'm real content with where I'm at with this thing of being in Christ. And God comes and says to them, let me just settle it all. I'm the one who makes you acceptable. I'm the one that makes you one that can come to the throne of grace freely. 
and, and I'm the one that gave you your worthiness. So you don't have to change things in life to become more acceptable and to be the right kind of servant that I would need you to be. I settled that for you. Notice what he said in verse 23. You're bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Don't run around listening to the Pied Piper that tries to tell you that you need to change to this and you need to be like that. And if you don't do this and, and if you don't measure up to this and that, that then you're not really worthy before God. But you got bought with a price. Somebody paid for you in full. Praise the Lord. So he finishes it in verse 24. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. You know another way of saying that? You need to be content with where you are. Again, this is not talking about sin and and bad habits in life. Of course, those things need to change, yes. That gives you better fellowship with God, but we're not talking about fellowship tonight. We're talking about acceptance and knowing that I'm right with God as far as righteousness is concerned. I, I need to be content that I'm in Christ and he is in me and be very content with that. And I, it, it was a great encouragement to my heart. I, I can see how these folks had a lot of these issues. And next week, we're going to go right back into another one. Things that were questions in their minds. Do we need to change this? How do we handle that? And we'll go into verse 25. We'll probably wrap the chapter, a long series of verses, but wrap the chapter up next week. So just some thoughts that I thought were helpful and could be a a blessing and a help to us to remember tonight. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.